Gospel reading this morning is from Mark. Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you, then, and they refuse to hear you as you leave, shake the dust off that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's been an exciting week of things lighting up the sky. In addition to last night's fireworks, you may have heard about, perhaps you saw the so-called Bethlehem Star Tuesday night. Venus and Jupiter aligned as they had done, did 2,000 years ago, making an extraordinarily large star, the kind of star that people think rulers and leaders and messiahs are born under. People wonder if we would recognize Jesus if he were born today. If he had been born again this past Tuesday night when he got older, would anyone actually listen to him? Or would we ignore him as a crazed religious fanatic? It's interesting to me that those of us who have asked that question count ourselves among his followers. We, people who have said we've given our lives to Jesus, wonder if we would recognize him, if we would obey him in the modern age. At least we ask. At least we don't assume Jesus would assimilate to our ways, bless and curse those we bless and curse, determine our lives are more valuable than other people's lives, hoard rather than give. At least we don't expect Jesus to be like that. I'm glad that we recognize that Jesus sending his disciples out without their needs met, dependent on other people for their very survival, while those aren't our ways, at least they remain Jesus' ways. When we read Jesus' teachings 2,000 years Later, some are surprising, some are challenging, some are even maddening, but 
they remarkably hold up well. It's hard to just dismiss Jesus' teachings as wrong. Take this challenging teaching I've read for us today. You could summarize it with three words. Enter, stay, shake. Those are the verbs. It sounds a little bit like eat, pray, love. But this is not about going off and finding yourself in some self-indulgent adventure. This is about Jesus sending us out to share the good news in a Christ-centered adventure. Adventure, that sounds exotic. Like we have to leave to go somewhere to do something interesting. Other places are adventuresome, but evangelism, wherever you are, even at home, can be quite interesting. Especially if evangelism is born in our interest in others. The modern church has all these strategies for how to evangelize effectively. We create seeker-sensitive services to help unchurched people feel comfortable around people like us, as hard as that may be for them. We have these events and gatherings that are more social than religious so that unchurched people can realize that we aren't that weird after all. We take these popular movies and television shows and publicize sermon series based around those themes that begin to sound a whole lot more like Marvel comics than the Bible. And I understand why the church does these things. We've been such a part of the culture that those who have no real experience with the church or have had only bad experiences with the church think they know us well. We have to be creative to introduce them to who we really are. Still, I wonder if Jesus' strategy might be one to consider. Novel idea, that considering Jesus' strategy, would enter, stay, shake, be a method for evangelism today. Would enter, stay, shake, be the right method, even if our mission does not take us out of our hometown. Enter. Jesus sent his disciples into communities without any provision for themselves. Well, that doesn't apply to us. We have all we need and more. We are not accustomed to forsaking our safety nets. But we can still be vulnerable. Maybe a modern twist on this would be that rather then need someone to provide us a meal or or need someone to provide us a place to lay our head, we enter a relationship not thinking we have everything resolved in our head. What if your coworker or neighbor or buddy at the gym has something to offer you instead of just you having something to offer him? See, I think... Our dependence that Jesus talks about in terms of not taking every provision we need, I think our dependence is part of his 
brilliance here. Whether it's a basic need like shelter or, or food or more of an emotional need like to be respected or, or to realize you have value, people like to be needed. And people are often more open to the vulnerable than to those of us who think we've got it all worked out. I look at the people I'm closest to, the ones who have the greatest influence on me, and it's not the people who think they've worked this world out. They may have great insight, they may have always good advice for me, but if our relationship is one Dr. Phil pronouncement after another, I don't feel close to them. I feel distanced from them. When I want a relationship based on life's how-tos, I'll listen to a podcast or I'll read a self-help book. When I want a relationship based on mutuality, I seek out people who both offer insight to me and are open to whatever insights I may have to share. I'm especially drawn to the ones who are willing to say, that's a tough one. I don't really know how I'd handle that. But I'll be with you as you try to. Jesus told his disciples to enter homes, and I have to think he was speaking of more than just entering structures. In those days, you weren't checking into a hotel with your own private room. I think Jesus meant to enter their lives, which is more than arriving with a set of instructions about how to get right with God. It's knowing your host. It's caring about your host. It's sharing what you care about with your host, which of course includes your faith. That's why staying was part of Jesus' instructions. Bible scholars will tell us that Jesus told his disciples to stay in whichever house they arrived in rather than go on to another. What, what they suspect he was up to was not... Um, Upgrading as you arrived in a town, not getting there, and someone opening their home to you, you being with them, and then you decide, hey, the bigger house down the street would be a nicer place to stay. I'll go there. I see that. It would not be great for one's witness to drop the first gracious host in favor of another. So in no way is this meant to dispute their historical insight, but, but could Jesus not be up to building relationships too? When he said, stay. The disciples were only in those places for a very short period of time. Their opportunities to make authentic friendships were limited. But they could invest in a few people. Or to bring it to our lives today. Isn't investing our time and our energy in developing friendships a better model for lasting evangelism than fly-by encounters? Don't those encounters risk giving the impression that it's more about me getting another convert than you getting a life in Christ? We don't want someone to enter into a 15-minute moment with Jesus. We want to help people enter into a lifelong journey with Jesus. How we show our care to them will indicate to them how a life in Christ looks.
You probably know this because likely it's true of you. But by far the number one reason people cite for coming to visit a church is because someone they trusted invited them to come and visit the church. You enter their lives vulnerable, willing to listen, rather than having all the answers, aware that they have something to offer to you as well. You enter, then you stay, you build these relationships, you you begin to trust them, they begin to trust you. At some point along the way, and it doesn't need to be too long into the friendship, you invite them to join you for worship or for Bible study, or for the upcoming ice cream and dessert social, even hardcore atheists can come and enjoy ice cream. You invite them to join you. You say, my church is important to me. It helps me grow in my faith. It helps sustain me in my discipleship. It's there for me in difficult times. It's there for me in wonderful times. I've... I'd be very glad for you to come and experience my church with me to see what it's like. When can I pick you up? Enter. Stay. And then Jesus' final instruction to his disciples is shake. I think he had to give that instruction because it's hard for many of us to shake things off. Now, some people, admittedly, are quite good at shaking off other people's opinions, but most of us are not. I can disagree with you, and I can be confident in my reasons for doing so, but if I've invested in entering your life and staying with you as your friend, it's hard for me to then just dismiss our difference of opinion, to shake off our disagreement. Your comments will stick with me. I'll rework the conversation, in part because I respect you, and I'm surprised that we see things so differently, and in part, I think, because, well, we disagree so poorly anymore. It feels like disagreements will lead to breakups. They so often do. We have less and less examples of people disagreeing agreeably. And more and more examples of tribalism. Where people gather with those that they are most like. If we're bringing Jesus' strategy for evangelism into our lives, I don't think he would suggest walking around making dramatic scenes about leaving people's dust in their driveways. I I think he'd say, be friends who can disagree. If you've entered someone's life and stayed long enough to become friends, you've issued the invitation, and even if it is not received, well, then leave that alone. Shake that off. Which does not mean leave your friend. Shaking dust does not mean you have to sever your relationship Maybe they didn't accept your invitation because the timing wasn't right. Maybe they needed to experience a friend whose invitation was rejected, but who did not in return reject them. 
Maybe that's what they needed before they could understand that this was indeed a real friendship and that you are indeed a person of real faith. I think Jesus did not want his disciples banging their heads against walls, the same walls. There are plenty of other walls against which to bang our heads. I don't think that necessarily, though, means that he wants friendships ended over one person choosing not to attend with another person. You have room in your lives for friends who will practice the faith the way you do, and those who won't. When disagreements happen over topics or over practices, shake that dust off. Let that go. Be faithful to what you believe is faithful. But unless they are toxic to you, don't shake off the person. Your evangelism, more often than not, is of the long-term variety. You aren't passing through villages on a missionary journey, you are living in your mission. Enter the mission field. Stay with your neighbors. Shake off the disagreements, not the person. Follow Jesus by loving God and loving neighbor. Enjoy the adventure. And to God be the glory.